Now, today, we continue our series on core values here at LCC, okay? This is a sermon series that we started last week, and core values are just some things that we feel very strongly about. It's some things that are, that are non-negotiable, if you will. Remember, this series is meant to remind all of us of what's really important here at the church. Some non-negotiable principles from God's Word that we must all agree on. Last week, we kicked this series off with a key ingredient of all strong and healthy churches, and that's unity. Amen? Pastor uh, Randy mentioned that himself. Unity. It's so vitally important. It attracts the presence of God. A couple memorable thoughts from, uh, from last week's sermon is, remember, the devil doesn't care much or doesn't fear much a large church, but he certainly fears a unified one. Think about how much he fights unity. Think about how much he fights when, when we come together as one accord pastors. I don't think it's any surprise the Saints kick off at 3.30 this afternoon. Yeah, some of you are getting that. Okay, oh, wait a second. We have prayer at 5.30. Hey, I want to see you there. Okay, by the way, the Saints and the Bears are the backup bowl because are there any starters playing? I really don't know, okay? But, um, but again, guys, there, there's so many things that come against us coming together, us coming together in unity. And unity is so vitally important. It's a key ingredient for a move of God. Remember also last week we talked about no unity, no blessing. Because unity attracts the presence of God, and His presence changes everything. Amen? Guys, we need more of His presence. You need more of His presence in your family, at your workplace, not just at this church. We need His presence everywhere. Amen? And then also, this is why we must continually work for unity. The crazy thing about unity is it's something that, that, that constantly has to draw your attention. It's something we have to constantly pray for. It's something we constantly have to strive for or work for. Well, today's core value actually served um, as a motto or mission statement from our church that I pastored eight years in Desalmonds, Louisiana. It's something that uh, is so simple, yet when applied, it's so very profound. It's the why behind the what of what we do in the church. Amen? You know, the what we do in church is so many different things, okay? Uh, you know, if, you, if we do ladies' Bible studies. We do Royal Rangers. We do missionettes. We do, we do so many things. We do an outreach at Halloween. We do all these different things. The what is, is not the important thing. It's the why behind the what. And today's core value is all about that why. And the why is a real simple one. We love God and we love people. It's really pretty simple, guys. We love God and we love people. This topic was my very first sermon as pastor in Desalmonds, Louisiana, and it also was my very last sermon. Pastor Randy, I love this motto. I love this theme so much that I bookend my pastoral tenure at Desalmonds with loving God, loving people at the beginning, and loving God, loving people at the end. And guys, nothing has changed since then. God still expects us to love Him, and He still expects us to love others. Amen? So today, we're going to approach this as a core value. We're going to approach this as something that is so vitally important that you and I must get it right. Amen? We must get this right. We must love God. We must love people in a greater and a deeper way. Amen? In order to please God, in order to make a difference for His kingdom, we must be about loving God and loving people. If you have your Bibles today or you have a Bible app, turn to Matthew chapter number 22 for our text where Jesus taught this all-important core value of every New Testament church. Matthew chapter number 22. 
Matthew chapter number 22, this, uh, Jesus is actually uh, being questioned by some religious leaders of the day. And they had a lawyer come up to him, and, and he thought he was going to get Jesus. Good luck with that, okay? Um, he thought that he was going to trip Jesus up. He thought that maybe he was going to surprise Jesus with the nature of his questioning. I, I submit to you that the Berwick Panthers have a much more significant chance Friday night against the St. James Wildcats than this cat of had tripping up Jesus. Amen? But in Matthew chapter number 22, we begin reading with verse number 34, and it says this, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? See, they were setting Jesus up because they knew that however he answered this question, it was going to not go well for him. However he chose to answer this question, they were going to use this as a cause to to bring division and to bring strife and to bring accusation against Jesus. Well, well, Jesus kind of turned the tables on them in in a figurative sense with verse number 37 in his answer. And Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus just silenced everybody, and he made a declarative statement that was so applicable back then, and it's just as applicable today. If we want to serve God, if we want to be pleasing to the Lord, if we want to make a difference as a New Testament church, we must do the same thing that Jesus commanded to be done 2,000 years ago. We must love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and we must love our neighbor as ourselves. On these two principles hang everything. Amen? Let's ask the Lord today to help us to love Him in a greater way and to help others, or rather to love others in a way that would bring others to Him. Let's pray this morning, can we? Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for an opportunity today, Lord, to look to your word. I thank you, God, that you made no reservations. You you, you did not stutter when you said we are to love you and we're to love others. I pray today, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God, to do this in a greater and a greater way. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we just ask right now that you would touch the teaching of your word and touch our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's break this down just a little bit and and see exactly what Jesus was talking about, okay? The first thing that we see is Jesus gives us a command. He says we are to first love God. See, everything starts with that. Amen? I say all the time that the kingdom of God is based on relationships, okay? It's so important for relationships, okay? We have vertical relationships. We have horizontal relationships. Obviously, our vertical relationship is our relationship with our Lord, our relationship with our Savior, how things are between you and your Savior. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He said, you've got to get that relationship right. You've got to make sure that you are in right standing with the Lord God Almighty. Amen? And when you have that relationship right, everything else will begin to fall into place. How many times have you tried to get your relationships right with your spouse, with your kids, with your co-workers, and things didn't work out so well? You ever been there? So many times we think the problem is those horizontal relationships when really the problem is our vertical relationship. Because I've figured out that if things ain't right with me and the Lord, they'll never be right with me and my wife. If things are right with me and the Lord, I'll never get things right with me and my boys. If, if I don't have 
things correct in my relationship with the Lord, everything else will be affected. And that's what Jesus was saying. So he was saying, first of all, we're to love God. He also said, this is the great commandment in the law. Note that he said commandment. Not a suggestion, not a new fad, not a cool idea, but a commandment. Okay? See, guys, sometimes we forget who we are and whose we are. Amen? He's the boss. He calls the shots. Okay? And if Jesus says that we've got to love the Father, we've got to love the Father. And if he says we're supposed to love others, we're supposed to do that as well. So the first thing I want to remind you guys is this is a commandment. Jesus himself said it. So we're supposed to love God. How are we supposed to love him? The Bible says, love the Lord thy God. Love God as your very own God. The word your is a personal relationship, not a distant relationship. See, God is not impersonal, not far out in space somewhere. He wants to be close to you. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him on a regular basis. He wants to talk to you on a regular basis. Well, well, I don't know if God's talking to me. Well, why don't you read his love letter? Why don't you read the book that he wrote for you, amen? Look, guys, God is not some far-off God. He wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you. If you don't have that today, he's not the problem. Let me say that again. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord today, it's not because he's moved. You have. But today I want to challenge you. Get that close to him, amen? Whatever's pulled you away from him, It ain't worth it. Get back close to him. Get back in close relationship with him. He wants that kind of relationship with you. And we're supposed to love God in a personal way. Not talking about a religious way. Not talking about tradition. Not talking about ritual. We're talking about relationship. Amen? You know, so many of us in our area, we've grown up in in a religious society. God, religion will kill. Religion will not save your soul. Relationship will. Amen? And guys, it's all about a relationship. And that's what God wants. That's what Jesus commanded here. So he said we're supposed to have a close relationship with the Father. And then he told us how to do it. He told us how how intimate it's supposed to be. He said, love God with all your being. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. He's talking about complete, total All in love. Amen? Not just going through the motions, not just saying you love, but proving you love. We're supposed to be all in with our relationship with the Lord. We're not supposed to be all in on Sunday and all out on Monday. We're not supposed to be one way at church and another way at school. Amen? We're not supposed to be one way at church folks or around church folks and another way at work. Not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be all in with our love for God. See, guys, I love God no matter where I'm at, okay? Now, does that mean I'm perfect? No, I'm not perfect. None of us are. But our, our, our focus should be I love God. I love God in my relationship with my, with my wife. I love God with my relationship with my kids. I love God in every relationship I have. I want to be pleasing to God. And that's what every one of us should be striving for. It's what Jesus commanded when he said, love God. Man is responsible to maintain a loving relationship with God. Very practically, loving God involves the very same factors that loving a person involves. Think about it. A loving relationship involves commitment and loyalty. You should be committed to and loyal to the Lord. Amen? You've got to have commitment and loyalty. These are the basis of every relationship. 
relationship. Why are Bernie and Annalise still married after 73 years? Because of this commitment and loyalty. Amen? It's a cornerstone of relationships. A loving relationship involves that. Secondly, a loving relationship involves trust and respect. Look, guys, how is trust developed over time, right? How is trust uh, broken? Through lies. God has never lied to you. The Bible says, in fact, he's not a man that he should lie. He can't even do it if he wanted to. It's just not in his character. Amen? So, guys, you can trust him. Well, sometimes, maybe maybe you feel like God lets you down. Remember what I say about feelings, right? They can be very real, but they're not always accurate. Sometimes you feel a certain way because you don't see the whole big picture. You don't see everything that God sees. But, friends, you can trust God. You can have a relationship with Him that's pleasing. But every relationship requires trust and respect. Amen? So when we love God, we love God because of himself, because of who he is. Not just what he can do for us, but who he is. God is the creator and the sustainer of life. He is the savior and the redeemer of our souls. He is the Lord and owner of our lives. Guys, he's everything you ever need. Amen? And that's why you should love him. A loving relationship also involves the giving and surrendering of oneself. You know what? We sung a song today, I Surrender All. Guys, that's the heart of Christianity. The heart of Christianity is less of you and more of Him. Amen? And that requires surrendering yourself. You know, some of us aren't hungry for God because we're full of other things. Mm. This ain't in my notes, but maybe I ought to camp out here for just a second or two. Okay? Some of us are full of the world. Some of us think we can walk that tightrope between the, the, the loving God and loving the world. You can't do that. You've got to make up your mind. You're going to love God or you're going to love the world. Okay? Some of us are full of ourselves. Mm. I wish Bliss was up there on that keyboard right now. Look, guys, I, I love the heart of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, according to Jesus, was the greatest prophet who ever walked this earth. Okay? And here's what he said. I must decrease and he must increase. And guys, that's the same heartbeat of you and I today. We must decrease so he can increase. Amen? Look, guys, this community doesn't need more of me or more of Pastor Randy. It needs more of Jesus. Amen? Doesn't need more of you. It needs more of him. Amen? So, guys, we gotta, we got to empty ourselves of ourselves, empty ourselves of the world, empty ourselves of anything so to make room for more of him. Amen? A loving relationship also involves knowing and sharing. The desire is to know and to share, learn and grow, draw closer to one another. Look, guys, my wife and I have been together for 26 years, okay? We've learned something about ourselves. We've gotten closer to one another. We've grown closer in love with one another. The same thing is possible with you and the Lord. Amen? You can grow in your relationship with Him. Some of you, if you aren't growing, that's a choice. If you're not growing, that's a choice. How do you grow in your relationship? You spend time with Him. You spend time in His Word. You spend time in prayer. You know those things. But guys, Jesus commanded that we love the Lord, that we love Him completely. See, the importance of a personal relationship with God cannot be overstated. And all of this depends on the word love. Now, you know, the interesting thing about love, and I'm going to do just a quick little study on that. 
You know, in, in the Bible, they, they actually have four different words for the word love. You've probably heard this before, but it's worth repeating, okay? You know, we use the same word for everything. I love Chantel. I love God. I love LSU. I love when Bama loses. Okay? Just throwing that out there. Three weeks from the day, we can only hope. Amen? I, I hope Tua's ankle is good four weeks from now. Okay? You know, I, I, I love a lot of things. We use the same word for all those things, okay? But the word love in the, Bible, in the Bible, basically there's four different words for love, okay? Let me talk to you about them for just a second. The first love is eros. It's romantic love, okay? It's the love that, 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 that when I first met that pretty girl 30 years ago at Franklin High, I went, I love her. That's a pretty girl. Okay, romantic love, okay? I don't know much about being romantic, so I'll move on. Number two, the next love is storage. Storage love. It means natural affection, okay? I love my kids. There's just a natural affection to that. It's kind of how I was built. It was just, and you love because it's the right thing to do, okay? This is not the kind of love that God has for you or that you should have for Him, though. The next love is phileo love. This is uh, the, the, just the, the, the just the basic word love. That's the, the modern friendship love. It's uh, it's just a virtuous love. It's how we love our friends, our family, and, and and many things like that. And then there's agape. You see, when God sent His Son Jesus to this earth, the word love had to be redefined. Okay? And we don't see the word agape till we get to the New Testament talking about the love of God toward you and I. And the word agape is a brand new word, and it's a word that we have to understand because it's the kind of love that God has to us and that we should have toward Him. And the word agape means divine, unconditional love. It's a love of decision. It's a love where God has made up His mind that He loves you. And you know what I love about God? He is the ultimate tet dude. He is the ultimate hardhead. And Brother Gary, he's made up his mind and he loves you and ain't nothing we can do about it. Amen? If you think you can change God's love for you with your actions, honey, you ain't that strong. You ain't that powerful. God has made up his mind long ago that he loves you. And there's nothing you can do to change his mind. Here's the amazing thing about the love of God, though. He loves you just like you are today, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to give you opportunity to grow. He wants to give you opportunity to change. Amen? That's the kind of love we're talking about today, guys. So when it comes to agape love, what is that all about? What is agape love really all about? A couple things about agape love that are so important for us to get this morning. In John chapter number 21, we have an interaction between Jesus and Peter. Asking, Peter, Peter is asked by Jesus, do you love me? Okay? And he's asked this three times. And there's a lot of significance to that. But, but, but Jesus is asking, do you agape me? And, and Paul, Peter rather keeps answering, I phileo you. I, I love you in a way that, but, but Jesus was trying to redefine the word love and make a point to all of us today. So what is agape love is really all about? Agape love is the love of the mind, of the reason, of the will. It is a love that is born of choice. One simply chooses to love regardless of feelings. A person may insult, injure, humiliate, but agape love chooses to seek only the goodest, the, the greatest good for that person. It's a sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that Jesus showed when he died on the cross. And look, guys, no matter how you've lived your life, no matter the decisions you've made, right or wrong, God has already chosen that he loves you. And there's nothing you can do to change that. And that's the kind of love that God expects us to have back toward him. 
So a couple things about uh, agape love. It was so new, it was so unusual that it can be said after Christ, a brand new word for love had to be created. And that's when agape came into place. The love that comes from reason and will that controls the corruptible lusts and wandering thoughts of life. Even the enemies of God must hear the gospel and have an opportunity for salvation. Why? Because of the agape love of God. The fact that Jesus only used phileo love with Peter shows that God wants the love of man's man's warm feelings as well, but he wants even more. He wants you to agape him. Agape love means at least several things. Number one, agape love is not only a love of emotions. It is a matter of the mind as well as the heart. The Bible tells us in John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he did something about it. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God made the decision that I love you. Amen? And that's what God expects from us. Agape love is also the love of God. It's his very nature. The Bible says God is what? Love. God is love. It is the love that God extended toward us while we were still sinners. I love Romans 5 and 8. But God commended his love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad God didn't wait for you to clean your act up? Aren't you glad, John, that God didn't say, you do this, this, and this, John, and then I'll love you. Then I'll make a way for you. No, no, no. He made a way for you to allow you to do this, this, and this. Amen? It's the love of God that was shown to us at Calvary. That's what agape is. Agape love is a seed that can be planted in the heart only by Christ. It is the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22, is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. You know the rest. Agape love is the great love that God holds for His only Son. Agape love was perfectly expressed when God gave up His Son to die for man. Ephesians 2 and 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Why did Jesus have to die? Because God loves you. Agape love is the love which holds believers together. We talked about that last week when it comes to unity. What is the key to unity? The key to unity is love. The key to unity is agape love. Loving unconditionally. Agape love is the love which believers should have for all men. Agape love is proven by obedience to Christ. Consider what Jesus said in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest himself to me. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make his abode with him. You see, guys, if we love God, we keep his commandments. And the greatest of all the commandments was stated right here in Matthew 22. Love Amen? Love God with an unquenchable love. Love God unconditionally. Love God without reservation, because, friend, that's how he loves us. Amen? So, we spent much time on loving God because it is the key to loving people. If we get this right, if we get this important area right, if we can love God properly, we can love others. This quote says it quite well. My relationship with God is my number one focus. I know if I take care of that, God will take care of everything else. How true is that? Matthew 6 and 33, seek you first what? The kingdom of God. If we take care of our relationship with God, it will take care of everything else. 
Also, obviously, how many have figured out it's a lot easier to love God sometimes than it is to love others? Especially those EGRs. Everybody remember what those are? Extra grace required. You ever met somebody that you have to have a little extra grace for? If some of you haven't met one of those people, you may be one of those people, okay? But here's the deal, guys. You cannot love other people if you don't love God. It'll be fake. It won't, it won't ring true. We must love God first. So we're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love others. Jesus continued with verses 39 by saying, Christ gave a second commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Look, guys, I've never met somebody who, who didn't love themselves, okay? I've met some people who love themselves too much, <coughs> okay? I've I, I, I met some people who, who, who maybe love themselves a little more than is appropriate, okay? But we all love ourselves. We all take care of ourselves, don't we? Okay, we, 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 it's natural. It's just the right thing to do to love yourself, right? Well, look, guys, we're supposed to love others just like we love ourselves. We're supposed to look out for others just like we look out for ourselves. We're supposed to take care of others just in the same way that we take care of ourselves. That's a command. Jesus gave a second commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See, the Lord had not, not asked for the second greatest commandment, but the first greatest commandment is abstract. It cannot be seen or understood by itself. There has to be a demonstration, an act, something done for love to be seen and understood. A profession of love without demonstration is empty. It's profession only. Love is not known without showing it. Several important things to be said about love at this point. Number one, love is an active experience, not an inactive or dormant thing. This is what Christ is pointing out. Love for God acts. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he did something about it. He acted. He sent his son. If we say we love God, if we say we love others, it'll lead us to action. Amen? We've got to do something. Okay? I say I love this lady right here, and I do. So I do things. Okay? Not as many things as she wants me to do around the house. Okay? This is where she'd like me to include to us husbands. We should we should do the dishes. We should clean house. Hey, by the way, let me let me share this. I read this the other day. No argument has ever been started by a lady when her husband is cleaning house. Just a thought, okay? Some of you guys, you're tired of getting in arguments. Just just do the dishes. She'll leave you alone, Melvin. I promise, okay? <clears throat> is that how I'm supposed to say it? No, okay. Good, 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 good. Okay. But here's the thing, guys. Seriously, the primary thing God wants from us is to love our neighbors. Not the doing of religious things. See, doing religious things is good, but it's not the first thing God wants. God wants us to make loving our neighbor the first order of our lives. To do religious things is only dealing with things such as rituals and traditions and laws. Such things are lifeless, unfeeling, unresponsive. They are immaterial. They are not helped by... They, people are not helped by us doing those things. We alone are helped. They make us feel good and religious, which is beneficial, but religious things are not what demonstrates our love for God. Loving our neighbor is what proves our love for God. A man may say he loves God, but if he hates and acts unkindly and spitefully toward his neighbor, everyone knows that his religion is profession only. You see, guys, Jesus addressed this subject. John 13, 34 and 35, he says this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, by what? 
our love for others, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Look, guys, our love one for another speaks volumes to our community. It speaks volumes to our family. It, it either confirms or it contradicts when we say we love God. Because you can't have love and hate in the same heart. Amen? You've got to let the love of God affect everything else. Amen? You've got to love people. Jesus also continued, or, or rather in 1 John chapter number 4, it continues by saying, If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. Let me say that again. Don't get mad at the preacher, get mad at John. He said, If a man love, say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that we should love God and love our brother as well. Amen? Look, guys, this this is easier said than done. Amen? Because some people are hard to love. But when you have the love of God residing in your heart, it makes it a whole lot easier. Amen? It makes it possible. The greatest commandment is to love God flows downward into another commandment, to love our neighbor as ourself. See, love moves us to actions as it did with God. God demonstrated or commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5 and 8. When a man really sees the love of God for him, he cannot help but love God and share the love of God with others. Look, guys, once you've truly experienced the love of God, it's contagious. You want to tell others about it. You want to tell others about it. Amen? Man, we need to get there, don't we? Now, we're also supposed to love ourselves. Not in a corrupt way that that feels like the world revolves around you. (laughs) Okay? Not that self-love that wants all the attention, that says me first, that insists on its own way. No, no, no. There is a godly love for self that is natural and pleasing to God. It's a love that stirs a strong self-image, confidence, and assurance. You realize that you are a child of God. Amen? Look, guys, some, some of you need to stop believing the enemy's lies. God has no stepchildren. We're all children. Amen? Doesn't matter your past. It's all about your future. Amen? And you need to believe what this book says about you. It says you are the head and not the tail. It says you are a child of God. You are an heir to the to the throne of righteousness. You are a son of God. You have all these things going for you. Now stop acting differently. Amen? Stop believing the enemy's lies. Love yourself. Love yourself. The godly love of self has three traits that are clearly seen. It esteems others better than themselves. Philippians 2 and 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem is, is, is others better than themselves. It looks on the things of others. Philippians 2 and 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. And it walks humbly before others. You see, guys, you and I need to be humble. We need to remember who we are and whose we are. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. To love our neighbor arouses the question, who is our neighbor? Well, Jesus answered that question in the parable of the Good Samaritan. You can go home and read it in Luke chapter number 10. A good neighbor is he that shows mercy on any who may be in need of mercy even if that person is socially despised. Therefore, our neighbor is everyone in the world. It's why we love missions, guys. 
It's why we believe in missions. It's why we send thousands of dollars around this globe, because we love God and we love others. Do you realize that giving to missions is one of the most selfless things you can do? Because you don't see much of a return on that, but you believe that God is going to credit to your account all that which you've done for Him. Amen? I believe in missions. I believe in loving God. I believe in loving others. I believe in investing in the cause of Christ. And you should too, based upon this principle, love God and love people. Therefore, our neighbor is everyone in the world, no matter his status, his condition, or his circumstances. Every man is to be esteemed ever so highly and helped, no matter who he is. No man is to be injured or wronged. Every man is to be esteemed better than oneself. To love our neighbor is a very practical command. It involves some very practical acts that can be spelled out in Scripture. And there's no better way to spell out how we should love than looking at the love chapter itself. I read this last week, but it's worth reading one more time. Out of the message, it says the way of love, chapter number 13 of Corinthians. Paul says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, this is for us preachers and teachers, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love friend, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr but don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Again, guys, it's worth saying again, if you're keeping score in your relationships, those relationships are destined for failure. You cannot keep score in relationships. You cannot say, well, she was good to me today, so I'll be good to her tomorrow. No, no, no. Regardless of how she is to you today, you better be good tomorrow. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. This kind of love, friends, will never die. Guys, we're supposed to love God, and we're supposed to love people. Jesus spelled it out so crystal clear for us today, but why do we continue to struggle (laughs) Why do we continue to have trouble understanding what God expects from us? Look, guys, I think what we need today, what we need every day, is a fresh revelation of His love for us. When you begin to realize how much He loves you, when you begin to realize how much He gave up to have relationship with you, when you realize everything He put in order so all you had to do is respond to Him, wow. All of a sudden, you begin to love at a deeper level, and it makes loving others possible. Amen? As Miss Bliss would come, and I close. Loving God and loving people. A core value here at Lighthouse Community Church. But like so many things, it's often much easier said than done. Amen? It's only natural to love God once you've experienced His amazing, unconditional, and unquenchable love for you.